But yesterday we watched with the kids uh, a new animated tale telling of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It's on Netflix. There are many versions of this uh, story, but we watched the new one that's just come out on Netflix. And you'll know it well, won't you, where this character, Scrooge, uh, for various reasons, finds Christmas really challenging. Um, and he is visited one evening by uh, three different ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. And each one presents uh, a different picture of Christmas of what it might be like, of what it could be like, depending on Scrooge's uh, approach or outlook on this time of year. And so this evening, I want to take you, just in the next few moments that I've got, on a similar journey, looking at three different pictures of what Christmas could be like, depending on your view of this season, of your outlook or your picture of this time of year. So come with me on this journey. I'm not a ghost. I am real flesh and blood. But we're going to go on this, this journey of, of three different perspectives. And the first is this. Oh, come, let us ignore him. I don't know about you, but Christmas is a very, very busy time of year. For some reason, my to-do list more than doubles in December. It just rockets. There's so much to do. Buying the presents, wrapping the presents, putting up the tree, decorating the tree, planning the meals, cooking the meals, eating the meals, parties, elf on a flipping shelf. All of these things, and the list goes on and on. I've ruined something for someone. On and on. But, you know, it might be the most wonderful time of the year, but it's also the busiest time of the year, or at least I find it so. And don't get me wrong, I love it. Like, I love the hype of Christmas. I love all of it. I love the decorations. I love the food. I love quality time with my family. I love Christmas crackers, paper hats, all of it. I am here for Christmas. It is absolutely my favorite time of year. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can fall into this trap of forgetting the why behind it all. We could so easily forget the why behind it all. We can risk losing sight of the real meaning of Christmas, the reason for the season, to you know, use that well-known phrase. And the reason for the season, of course, is to receive gifts. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, or should I say to receive a gift, the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind, the gift of Jesus Christ. And it says in that well-known verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus was a gift. He was a gift. And that's not to say you can only receive this gift on the 21st of December and then you have to wait 12 months until you can receive him again. No, this gift is there and is available for you to receive whenever you would like. Whenever you are willing and ready to accept, this gift is always available. And so what I want to encourage this evening on this, this first picture of, of Christmas is that in amongst all of the busyness, in amongst all of the shopping, in amongst all of the eating and all of the laughing and all of the parties, don't let, oh come, let us ignore him, be your picture of Christmas this year. So let's move on to number two, and it is this. Oh come, let us explore him. Oh come, let us explore him. 
You know, for some of us, it could be far too easy to get to get caught up in all that's going on during the run up for the for the run up to Christmas. But for the shepherds, ignoring what was going on was not an option for them. It just wasn't an option. And, you know, they're out there. They're minding their own business in the fields, keeping an eye on their sheep. Let me just digress for a minute. This summer, uh, my family and I, with the, some of the wider family, went off camping in the lakes. I've shared this with some of you already. And in total, on this camping trip, there were 10 kids. And it was mayhem. In the daytime, it was nonstop. From when the sun woke up, they woke up and they were relentless all throughout the day with this seemingly never-ending amount of energy that no matter what activities we did, they still had enough energy to keep charging late into the night. But then when night came and finally all the kids were in bed, we had probably my favourite moment, not that I don't love being with my kids, but one of the favourite moments of a camping trip is sitting around the fire, just the adults with a hot cup of tea or a cup of hot chocolate and gazing up at the stars because you've never seen as many stars as when it's pitch black and you're out in the wilderness. And we're just enjoying one another's company. And that's my favorite kind of time of that kind of trip. And so I kind of picture that moment sitting around the campfire as what the night shift for shepherds looks like. I don't know a lot about shepherding. I don't know what that kind of looks like, what that role is. But I imagine during the day, probably quite challenging. But at night, they're probably just chilling out around the fire, cradling a brew, sharing some jokes with one another. Here's one for you. Brace yourself. Dad joke alert. Why do shepherds never know how many sheep they've got? Because every time they try and count them, they fall asleep. Oh, you can have that one for free, straight out of a cracker, straight out of a cracker. So these these shepherds, they're chilling out around the campfire and they're just enjoying themselves. And then an angel appears and the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Now, my understanding of shepherds is that that they didn't really mix with people. They were kind of outcasts in society. And so I'm not kind of really sure uh, where these guys were at with their faith, with their kind of understanding of religious teaching. But that night, that night they heard something interesting. They heard something from this angelic being that, could, that they could have ignored. Like our first picture of Christmas, they could have been like, okay, wonderful story, strange, ethereal being in the sky, but we're just going to carry on hanging out by the fire and drinking our cups of tea. But instead, instead, they chose to explore what it was that they'd heard. They chose to explore it. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Now, the way I read it is that there's no actual comment about whether or not they believe what's been told of them. It's more of a, well, let's just go and see what what it is that's been told. Let's go see what's happening because we've heard it, but let's go and see if this is really what's going on. And I don't know, perhaps this Christmas, you're not really sure what you think about church You're not really sure what you think about faith, what you think about Jesus. 
Maybe it's just tradition that you come into a church building at Christmas time and, and sing some carols, but not really understanding, not really uh, having a grasp of what it all kind of means and what the thing is that's going on behind all of that. But maybe you've heard something spoken to you in the, in the past few weeks. Maybe someone gave you an invite. Maybe someone invited you along. Maybe someone's brought you. Maybe you've heard something or seen something in this build-up time towards Christmas in this Advent season that this made you think, oh, maybe there's more to this than presents and food and Christmas trees. Maybe there's something more to it. And instead of ignoring what's going on, your picture of Christmas is, oh, come, let us explore him. And so the final picture if you hadn't guessed it already, is, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. And Caleb just read for us uh, the story of the, the wise men. And their story could have been, come, let us explore him. As we read that, it could have quite easily been that story. Yet before they even saw Jesus, this newborn king, before they even saw him, they had faith. We read that they had faith because they'd heard these prophecies been spoken about the coming Messiah. They knew already what it would mean for Jesus to be born into the world. And so on seeing this star, this was not a journey of exploration. This was a journey of adoration. And I don't know about you, but I quite like to dig into some of the details when I read my Bible and try to kind of unpack some of the stuff that, that maybe we can just skim over. And so for me, reading this story, I thought, well, let's look into uh, one question that I have, which is how far these wise men traveled. Because we, we know the kind of stories and the nativity and the, the picture that goes on. These three guys with their three gifts on camels traveling across a desert and all that kind of picture. But what is the truth kind of behind the three wise men? And the reality is that we don't know for certain how far they traveled. The information isn't actually in the text. But some much wiser men than me have looked into this question. And so, praise God for Google, I was able to come up with something to bring to you this evening. And one kind of line of thought around this is that the east, where these wise men came from, could have been somewhere in Mesopotamia, based on kind of other references throughout scripture of the east. So they've looked at this and they've dug into it and they've kind of said, okay, we think... It's somewhere in this region. And so based on that, if we're to take that as fact, the journey from there, from the east to Bethlehem, would have been around 400 miles. And I don't know what that looks like just off the top of my head, so let me give you a geographical picture. 400 miles is from here to Penzance. In fact, that's 397 miles if you take the motorways. So that's kind of the picture of just how far these wise men have traveled. But of course, they didn't have cars, they didn't have motorways. And so we kind of get an understanding of how far they traveled, what it would have taken them if they went on camels, like the pictures we see on Christmas cards. It would have taken them around two to three weeks. Or if they traveled on foot, we're probably looking at more like a month. But then, let's not forget they followed a star. And stars don't always come out in the day. 
And so that would mean they could only travel at night time. And so this two to three weeks or this month then becomes even longer and probably took more like 40 plus days for them to make this journey. Having seen the star that, that foretold the birth of Jesus, they then decided to go on this mighty journey, this lengthy journey. And so why did they do it? Why did they decide to just drop everything at the sight of the star and make this crazy long journey? This journey that if it was me that was to make it, I'd have been thinking, okay, I probably need to do some training before I get on this because that is a really long way to be going. Why is it that they did this? And they had one purpose and one purpose alone. And we hear that when they arrive because they say, we have come to worship him. We've come to worship him. And on finding Jesus, they fall on their knees in adoration. And they present him with these gifts that are fit for this king. Oh, come, let us adore him. And the truth is that Jesus is worthy to be adored. The songs that we've been singing speak of his, his amazingness, his awesomeness, his faithfulness, his goodness. And this adoration that the wise men felt and that we should feel is a deep love. It's a deep respect, the kind of love that flows out of understanding who it is that our adoration is for. The true Savior, our King, our Redeemer. And the Bible says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And so the angels, as we heard, sang this song to the shepherds, and it was a song of adoration. Glory to God in the highest. And what we've been singing this evening is an echo of that very first carol sung by the angels. And in the final book of the Bible, in Revelation, it gives us a glimpse into what heaven will look like. And the sounds that we hear are songs of adoration. They're songs of adoration. It says in Revelation 19, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. And so this Christmas time, I want to encourage you not to get caught up in the busyness, not to get lost in that never-ending, continually growing to-do list and find yourself ignoring him. If you're here this evening and maybe something has caught your attention even throughout this service and it's got you intrigued, it's got you asking questions, well, that is amazing. That is so great. Please come and chat to me or any of the team that you see. We would love to go on this journey of exploration with you some more. And I believe, like it was for the shepherds who went on their journey of exploration, that when you meet Jesus, exploration leads to adoration. Our exploration leads to adoration. When the shepherds went on their journey to see this thing that they had been heard, told about, they then went away praising God. Oh, come, let us adore him.